Before we jump in, a note on our content. This is created for adult audiences only. We advise listener discretion. We have discussions about sexual violence against women. We use bad swear words. We talk openly about women's autonomy. And you might just hear some opinions that don't jive with your own. Going through ostracization, going to marginalization is not fun. Like having to bear the brunt of society and society's narrow thinking is not fun. And you have to do it because this is the only time they want you. You are time and again told that you are disposable and this is the only time they want you. Hello, hello. This is Hirkanjo Born Smudge. I'm Shana. Join me as I talk to Desi women who are imagining a better, fairer world, free of all those unwritten social rules that tell us just how to be a good Desi woman. What makes an activist? It's easy to call a street protester an activist because we associate carrying posters and marching with activism. But am I an activist for hosting this podcast? Are you an activist for listening? Today, I get to speak to Priyanka Paul. She is an illustrator, graphic designer, poet, and storyteller. And I'd say, in everything she creates, her activism comes through. Priyanka embodies so many intersectional identities. In her own words, she's a queer, dark-skinned woman who gets body shamed. She's a Christian from an oppressed caste who gets trolled for reimagining the goddess Kali. And no matter how much the haters come for her, Priyanka stands her ground, using her anger to create art and to create space for all of us who don't fit a beauty standard or who don't fall in line with what society says is capital A acceptable. She is also a TED Talk speaker, and she's been featured in magazines and in the Gucci Chime for Change documentary, Hashtag we are irregular. Plus, spoiler alert, she can quote Dumbledore and Audrey Lore. Your Instagram page, Art Whoring, it's like an explosion of psychedelic colors and imagery. You share your artwork and your personal struggles there. Why is it important for you to do that? I started drawing and doing like Instagram when I was 17. I'm now 24. So that's been a while. And, you know, I started getting on the internet where, and it still to this day extends the wave of like feminism being expressed via young feminists on social media and, you know, via art. And I started doing it around like the same age where the gaze was almost all very Western in a way. And there were no narratives very much centered or like specific to me. And I think I started making art around that time. And... I think my art at that time was also about making like these bold in your face, you know, statements. And I kind of grew out of it. The older you get, the more nuanced your work gets, the more you understand. And I think my work has evolved in that sense. There was this whole wave of like, you know, fuck the patriarchy. Now we can scream fuck the patriarchy as much as we want. But as <laughs> if we're not saying how do you fuck the patriarchy, where are we going with that? I started making all of this work and I like kept growing with it. And you're constantly told like, this is selling right now, right? There's so much of like Western or as I would like to call it, Savadna feminism 
that gets highlighted and is showcased as like a global feminism that like completely discards you know caste marginalized or like you know minority women working class women in a country like india especially and i feel like i wanted to talk about those things things that were relevant to me but weren't being portrayed on like a grander level on a mainstream level and i feel like over the years i've just gotten more honest with myself and who i am and not who i want to be in the leagues of who i want to be cuz my problems are not like bourgeoisie women problems it's to a certain extent and i feel like that is never showcased like even today the conversation about feminism is like i want to shave my legs and that's my choice and i'm like i don't have the time for this this is a useless debate i do not have the time for if you're not talking about where you know like that history of hair you know how that is attached to like marginalized bodies where is that sense of like cleanliness or hygiene and how that's like a hierarchical idea i don't want to aspire to you know like there's so much commodification and like all of this has been turned into even everything about me i'm constantly told i'm bold i'm this i'm a brand right like oh fierce this and i was like i'm very much a whole complete human being with all like different facets to me and i feel like with my art i'm just like trying to be honest with myself you're a queer woman in india and i wonder what that's like for you when you decided to come out did you have people in your life who supported that decision i think i feel like i have like liberal parents to the point where like they're very okay with the idea of homosexuality and queerness they're just neglectful parents they don't care about my life so i know that a lot of people come in talking to indian queer people with the idea that oh do you have a struggle were you beaten up did someone call you a homo at home and beat you up for it and like luckily i did not <laughs> that didn't happen to me because yeah my parents just have other things to care about they just don't care about what it is i'm doing they just don't give a shit i think my most of my struggle is like the rest of society looks at you like a freak you know and i'm constantly you know being undermined or being tokenized or being stereotyped in ways in so many ways that is now just like considered acceptable there's a whole wave of awareness and now we've come into very comfortable like commodification i literally yesterday got like <laughs> a brand campaign of sorts they were like we're looking for a queer individual and this is the treatment we want and it's like a video where a queer person is like saying that's a sob story you know and i'm like now they don't even try to be sensitive with this they're like uh we want you to be sad can you come be sad for us we'll pay you money for that hmm and like it's so dehumanizing if you think about it because this is your life experience going through ostracization going to marginalization is not fun like having to bear the brunt of society and society's narrow thinking is not fun and you have to do it because this is the only time they want you you are time and again told that you are disposable and this is the only time they want you when people tell me i'm a queer artist i'm like bitch i'm one of the best artists in this country right now don't you fucking put that queer as demeaning it categorizes you it's like when i hear about you know this is the best female director i think well why do we need to call her a female director she's the best director yeah at this time totally yeah 
I wanted to ask you about a collage that you did that you posted on your Instagram page, which really has stayed with me. And it's this collage, which is like a, it's a street scene and you are naked in that street scene, but you're sitting very elegantly. And it reminded me of a woman from like a Manet painting, (laughs) but like all around you, there's dirt and there are pigs. And I wanted to ask you, what is that um, about? Yeah. So the part of me that you see in the collage is me. And that's from a photo shoot I did for Paper Magazine for an article that was published when 377 was removed from India. Like homosexual sex was decriminalized. Uh, Being gay was no longer a crime in India. So around that time, this went up on Paper Magazine. And I think I look fucking like gorgeous and glorious in that photo shoot. And I'm also easily a very hated person in India and in like in terms of the right wing. So they very often take my pictures, edit them, morph them, do like things that, you know, make you feel like, oh, how disgusting. And a very common thing that they do is juxtapose my image with that of pigs, you know, because a pig is supposed to invoke disgust and like that sort of feeling. So they do that a lot. And for me, like I am like, you can't do that shit to me. There is nothing you can say to me that will make me feel bad. So I posted up those pictures. I was like, wow, look at this art. Y'all make free content for me. Thanks, dude. I don't even have to put any effort into that. But it's like, that is how they view me as a, as a person who comes from previously untouchable caste, who, who is a minority Christian in this country, who's queer. I'm short. I'm dark skinned. I'm fat. All of those things, really, I am supposed to be in their minds, in their Brahminical mindsets. I'm supposed to be an object of disgust. And that I do not concede to being that really fucks with them. And I will continue to, you know, like stay in my glory because I know who I am. So this is essentially reclaiming myself is that no matter what shit you throw on me, this is just reflective of the shit you are throwing. Can you explain a little bit about your background and how what you refer to as the caste struggle affects you? So both my parents are Bahujans. Bahujans are people who come from low caste backgrounds. My mother comes from a legacy where my great-grandfather bought Neo-Buddhism to Kerala. My dad's also Christian. So, you know, that's a different struggle. I have like so many marginalizations at this point. I kind of lose track sometimes. So growing up, like I had this staunch feminist mother, you know, And the way she spoke about things, the way she viewed the world and how she raised me up to like speak against anything that didn't seem right. I think that goes through like that's what I carry on with my art and like the work I do. But I think like my background is like she's definitely not, you know, the typical Hindu Savarna background that most people of privilege kind of come from in this country, you know. And there's like a very single narrative that exists and all successful people seem to kind of come from that. And I don't I don't have that background. <laughs> For people who don't know, you mentioned the word untouchable. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. There is this horrible, horrible thing that they love to hide called the caste system. And based on this caste system is a system of purity. So it discriminates people on the basis of labor. And then attaches, you know, these values of some being greater. It's obviously a hierarchy. 
yeah those at the top have everything and those at the bottom have nothing and are ostracized are uh, have been denied for centuries you know access to simple things like water education to this days major atrocities are committed against them and the ruling class which would be the upper caste people are great at like you know hiding it up so that's why this is a very like today now this is a global conversation that is reaching you know new places and we you know finally having these conversation was taking a long time to get there do you think that this is changing in india do you think that now homosexuality is being discussed more openly do you think some of these marginal topics that you're discussing with me here are making their way into kind of common everyday conversation or are they still treated as sort of things that are hidden and shameful i think definitely in terms of queer issues and like you know just general knowledge about growing up queer there is just so much more awareness right now this is a uh, reaching like you know schools in different ways the media we consume it's all happening like it could happen much more i'm not saying it's not happening but i'm also really wary of the nature and how it's happening you know because so much of it is just like marketing So I'm just like is this coming from a genuine place is this coming from a place of wanting education or is this coming from a place of like where you want to profit upon it and that is just like the problem with everything in capitalism you kind of have to like choose your battles you know if you want to further this you kind of have to get with the system to a certain extent while attacking the system at the same time mm-hmm. because the aim is to break down the system but you can't move further ahead with what you want to do unless you kind of side with the system a little bit so it's a constant like game that you're constantly having to do and play you're an illustrator a poet and that you have a brand an instagram username which is art horing and you'd like to add to that that you're an angry person <laughs> uh because most of what you do is to be angry so i wanted to ask you about your anger and where it comes from why do you respond to things that you are experiencing as somebody who embodies a lot of these marginalized issues mm-hmm. you could respond to them by cowering right but you seem to respond to them by getting angry so why do you think you respond in that way i think it's because people like me are not allowed to be angry they're constantly told to not be angry anger is mocked and made fun of constantly you know and it's almost always safer to not say anything and my entire life i've just looked at people be like why are you not saying this and i i just can't do that to me like saying my shit constantly gets me into a lot of trouble often but i really don't know how to do it the other way like i seriously sometimes wish i could but i don't and i think over the years my anger has mellowed so i'm like i hold my anger with like a lot of like it's precious to me because what anger means is that you want better for yourself the uh, your anger is a part of you that knows that you were wronged like i don't have the time to view anger as like a negative reaction because i really value it because it it really has a capability and to take you places to you to do something with it because when you're angry with things it's a catalyst to change and also for me my anger is not like my personal anger my anger comes with like my anger for like the people that i represent my friends the people i surround myself with the people who i see struggling every day and that anger comes from a need and a want to make the world a better place no matter how wishful that is or how naive it seems like I feel like that anger will go away. I feel like a lot of anger is just grief. Anger is grief and I think 
sometimes that grief will really mellow you down and you will feel very helpless at one point of time and i feel like i'm getting to that point so i'm going to make as much use of my anger as i can because a lot of people in this world who are not angry or can't be angry so if you can you should and it feels like your anger translates into activism which i think is really remarkable because for a lot of people anger translates into a lack of control and then a kind of explosion and then that dies down right but in your case it seems to go into something else and create something new with it i wanted to ask you about why your instagram account is called art whoring so this is again like a 16 year old thought up this name okay so i mean i love that 16 year old they were really smart coming up with funky names like that but yeah artwork just sounded really cool to me and also like the back idea behind it is that people are really scared of saying the word whore there have been brands who have been like can you change your username because it's kind of like mm, we don't know how to like work with you with that username and i'm like i'm not changing that username but people are really scared of the word whore and i am kind of sort of a big harry potter fan and there's this line that i think dumbledore says where he's like fear of a name increases fear of a thing itself and i use whore because any woman who is sexually liberated or you know does her own thing is called a whore and my whole idea was be scared of me yes i'm going to use that word and i'm going to keep saying it because ever since i was like 13 years old i've been called that word and no one has ever said sorry for that hmm. you know just like you call 13 year old young girls words like that because we're so like we just want them to feel insecure about themselves their bodies their identities who they're growing up to be in this world so i'm like i'm going to use this word i like this word it's a cool word so art whoring is just like <laughs> yeah fucking art up or something <laughs> i don't know yeah So you talked about how girls are treated from a young age. When do you think that you felt like you were a feminist? What was your aha moment? I grew up with a feminist mother, one a woman who said she was a feminist that when I was growing up. So for me, I feel like as soon as I could just like understand what it meant, I was a feminist. And I feel like I yeah, I don't think you can say you were born a feminist. I feel like I was born a feminist. But kind of very early on, let's say like fifth grade, <laughs> I was like, yeah. You did a series called the Goddess series, which I think is based on a poem. Mm-hmm. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, so I did the Goddess series, and it's based on a poem by poet Harnit Kaur. And the poem talks about if these goddesses from different cultures. were modern day women how they would like behave on social media and what how would their lives be and you know it's a very cool poem and it's about like you know these goddesses like walking into a temple and just like breaking it open types and it is just really at that age like it really like touched me and i was like wow i love this poem and i love like the imagery of like goddesses as modern day women so i drew it and that's one of my like first pieces that went viral and that's kind of where my artistic journey kind of started Yeah, I also got a lot of flack for that because I did draw like the goddess Kali as a modern day woman and people in India do not seem to like that. It's completely stupid. It makes no sense because the drawings of goddess Kali or any god in India right now are paintings made by Raja Ravi Verma and 
they protested against him when he made those paintings as well so the anger would have made sense if it came from a place of disrespect but it didn't you know it came from like an imagining of a goddess to me because a goddess to me is not does not look like like you know someone some decades ago someone painted it's not giving as much for me like that depiction so i did my own version and i feel like myths and fairy tales you know should be allowed to be reinterpreted as you like but like the conversations on like the hateful comment sections were about what religion i belong to you know my name is pretty ambiguous when like in india priyanka paul doesn't really tell you what religion i am and i also i am like quite i come from like a mixed background which in india is so surprising because intercaste marriages and interreligious marriages are less than 3% in india it feels like with a lot of things like as soon as whether it is that you know you are reinterpreting the spirit of kali the goddess but you're reinterpreting her for the modern day keeping that spirit intact that can be offensive to people because you are messing with their traditional view right but it's mm-hmm. the same way i think in which maybe the big pressures we come up against as feminists is that if a woman is stepping out of bounds is showing herself in a bikini confidently you know without having to have that bollywood body that is also something which is going to get people pissed off yeah. because they don't yeah. want to see a woman who is completely her full individual self it's like there's constant punishment for any deviation from the status quo like even the slightest like it makes no sense i'm like sit down do you think i'm making any sense you're sending me you're sending a woman rape threats for drawing a woman who you want to conserve are you making any you're not making any sense <laughs> yeah a couple of years ago priyanka you put out a zine called bedex I think it was really groundbreaking because it's a sex ed scene for men and it's been created by you a woman why did you want to do this So Bedex is really old now but it was a really like exciting and interesting project and the whole idea was at this point of time today there are so many like sex ed influencers in the Indian space it's really great and you know so great to have so much like sex ed content in general but i think i made this like 3 4 years ago and it was during a time where i feel like there was no like sex ed conversations happening even though and people keep saying this people keep saying there's no sex ed there's like no sex ed in schools especially in like indian schools no sex ed at all and you know in general media we're consuming also not a lot of sex ed so i was just like okay maybe I was just make a sex ad guy. So me and a friend, Rushil Bhatnagar, we worked on this zine together, which was sex ad directed towards men and penis owners, and it talked about just sex ad in general through a very Bollywood type gaze. And Bollywood, being Bollywood, is so full of like these horrible, you know, masculine stereotypes, and like the worst stereotypes for like gay men. and stuff like that and we took all of that and i feel like we subverted it and made this zine so i think that was really cool about it this was like friendly accessible you know communicating off just off the page like you felt like you were talking to a friend giving you sex advice and i think that that was like the intention yeah and why did you want to make a book about male sexuality cuz i'm tired of men being mediocre it's like <laughs> <laughs> Also like really sometimes you like talk to the men in your life and or just like men in general and you're just like how do you all not know this how do you just not know this? how do i know this why do i know this and you don't know this 
you know and as a feminist you're constantly like you know burdened with changing the world it's like why are other men not writing sex ed for other men honestly like even now the majority of like sex ed influencers and educators on the internet are women telling men how to wash their dicks men don't know how to wash their own dick again still asking these questions but no one's answering me as to why other men are not doing this so i was like okay i'll, I'll take one for the team <laughs> so yeah do you think there's a relationship between better sex ed and more interaction with women and a reduction in gender violence oh definitely definitely i think like key to it i feel like once you start viewing women as like actual human beings you're automatically not going to be violent towards them and assault them you know like i talk about a lot of my own experience with sexual assault i was assaulted as a child in school and you know by also a student and i feel like so much of that could be mitigated not happened if we just had honest conversations or like just sex ed because like even that situation was not dealt with well the school the teachers just didn't have enough like i want to say infrastructure but just not even like the basic humanity to deal with something like that well you know so i definitely think there is like an inherent connection between those things mm-hmm. You've said that you consume a lot of online content. What you are seeing online, do you think that there are more and more women posting content that challenges societal norms? I'm definitely seeing that, but again, it's being all governed by the algorithm and you know, social media is designed in such a way that it again replicates the hierarchies that already exist in the world. Now, social media is not a tool for reform or a tool for change social media is a tool for marketing and there's only so much you can do with the master's tools you know the master's tools will not bring down the master's house as audrey lord said so again this is creating so many more barriers to these different women and feminists who are trying to use social media like i work with a lot of like feminist groups to understand you know dealing with hate speech on social media and you know the rise of like real right wing narratives on this on social media like the, you can see a real like turn to fascism on the internet so yeah i feel like social media is not the tool we glorify it to be on its own that it is still us and we need to keep finding loopholes and be like ingenious and really smart to you know like organize and like protest on social media but this is still like you know space that has been previously not been accessible that space that you now have access to that i feel like we should make the most use of yeah when you post content is that there's so many women and i think some men as well who say you know thank you for posting that or you're a queen or you know mm-hmm, they mm-hmm. have something positive mm-hmm. to say and i think yeah. there are also people who feel that what you're doing resonates with them so there seems to be like some conversation that you're starting mm-hmm. and in that way i wondered from what you're seeing in social media do you think that it's giving women outlets so they don't feel that they're alone in their struggles definitely definitely i feel like so i use social media to talk about a lot of like very personal things i've been very vulnerable on the internet which i sometimes regret but for mostly i'm really like 
happy I was vulnerable because that vulnerability is valued in so many ways on the internet and gives you the opportunity to like share. You know, I talk one time about having a parent who has a chronic illness and having to be their caretaker. You know, this is such a specific thing which I feel like you might not find a lot of posts talking about. But there were so many comments on that talking about like, you know, people who, like me, have had to take care of their parents from a young age. You know, there was just like this moment that, hey, someone else sees you. So I really value that. But the whole thing about social media is because, you know, especially in a country like India, is reaching a very certain few privileged kind of people it's not reaching everyone so I am constantly in this dilemma where I'm like what I'm doing doesn't matter like who gives a shit like what is it going to do but I feel like it's selfish to also think that so I'm now I have decided that what I truly believe is that I don't want to believe that what I'm doing is not doing anything at all but I also don't believe that what I'm doing is changing the entire world. It starts small to change around people around you, the communities you exist in and your friends and your families. And you start small. And I feel more people need to be convinced that that is like important as well. And that you don't have to be constantly doing some grand things which gets a million likes for it to be real. Yeah. I want to read something that you wrote in 2016. Oh, yeah. You said... At 15, I cut my hair into a mohawk and faced ridicule at my house and school. My parents refused to look at me and kids at school jeered at me. If you try to change the dynamics of everyday life or try to change society or gender roles, even through something as menial as a hairstyle, you're going to get punished. This is something that I really value about what you're doing because you clearly know that if you're going to get your hair cut and it's going to be a mohawk that someone's going to get pissed off with you, right? You know that, Mm -hmm. but you do it anyway. And I think Mm -hmm. in pushing those boundaries and in cutting across those many intersectional struggles that you embody, you really are making a change, right? With every post. And so I want to thank you for that, Priyanka. Thank you. You're so kind. Can I add one more thing? Sure. When you ask me like, you know, like with the hair and the bikinis and stuff like this, there is a certain idea even attached to what we consider acceptable feminism. And it's, you know, adhering to very like a lot of notions of respectability. Like the UN does a bunch of feminist conferences once in a while. I promise you, I will never be invited to one of those because I don't fit the ideas of polished feminism and I feel like the more you adhere to these notions of the status quo the more you make it difficult for the other people who want to not be part of that so I feel like I need to constantly be like no fuck you no fuck this and fuck that and no I'm not doing like I'm not gonna be what you want me to be and you need to learn to be uncomfortable and okay with that yeah. I mean, to me, that's really, truly one of the big things about feminism, that women should be allowed to have choices and be their full, complete selves. Mm-hmm. It's not about becoming a feminist so that you fit a particular mold of what a feminist should be. Yeah. It's about having choice and equal voice. And my friends and I love your the posts you've done of you in bikinis. One of my girlfriends sent me a screenshot of a picture of you and your friend in a bikini. And underneath it, she wrote 2023 summer goal to be, you know, to feel confident in your bikini, right? (laughs) To not care. I mean, I look hella hot. You look gorgeous. I look hella hot. 
Love that. Thank you. Thank you. Priyanka said, I'm going to make as much use of my anger as I can because there are a lot of people in this world who are not angry or can't be angry. So if you can, you should. Such good advice. I'll take it. Channel your anger, speak out, hold your ground, write, post content. This is also everyday activism. Join the club. Thank you for listening to Her Ganjo Bone Smudge. I'm your host, Shauna. If you want to get in touch with us and rage or have a good cry or just tell us what you're thinking, look for our webpage online or find us on social media. Until next week. <laughs>